Howdy partners, and welcome to the Howdy Partners podcast, where we give you tactical insights so that you can be successful in partnerships. Today, we're joined with a guest that I had a chat with, um, must have been month, month and a half ago. And uh, you said something that really resonated with me. It's on your LinkedIn profile. Um, we're joined with Carolyn Lewis. Uh, Carolyn, tell us more about yourself and that that tagline that gets me so excited whenever I hear it. Yeah, well, to, to start, thank you so much for having me. It's great to chat again and uh, very honored to be on the podcast. Um, so yeah, so my tagline, my uh, TM little tagline on my LinkedIn is uh, making friends for a living. So that's something that I just said randomly many years ago, uh, because basically it's true. That's what partnerships kind of do. And they also make friends between companies. Um, and I noticed that whenever I was saying it to partnership people specifically, it resonated so much because everybody, it hits them because that's actually what we do. We all talk, we all make relationships and those relationships are really authentic and they last for a long time. It's so, it's so simple and so elegant. And it, it is like never been more true, especially in the partnership space. Yeah. And so, Carolyn, tell us more about uh, your experiences. Yeah. Um, just to say as well, I think the authenticity of uh, relationships in the business is also critical to partnerships. Um, but yeah, so regarding my previous ex experience, uh, most recently, I built the partnerships department for Trango uh, for the ground up. That's a customer communication platform for e-commerce. Uh, and that was actually my third round of building partnerships from scratch. Um, so uh, other than that, I've also been at OfficeApp, uh, which is a company in the prop tech space, which was later acquired by Boston's HQO. And Binder, uh, probably most notably, they recently had a $650 million exit. Um, so that's a, an exciting journey to have been a part of. Um, and at Binder, I actually came into partnerships almost by accident. I heard that from a lot of people in the partnership space. But I originally was in sales at Binder, um, but I quickly realized a couple of months into the role that my pipeline building capability was a lot stronger if I tapped into our peers in the market and the opportunities that they might have. Um, so after that, I eventually moved into a full-time partnerships role. It was a team of one, very used to, to being that lone man uh, powerhouse department. Um, and yeah, built it up, uh, built it up from the ground up for both tech and agency. And, uh, those were also the days when basically no one had heard of the word ecosystem before. So it's so cool now to see that it's such a, uh, a big space and lots of technology coming up. It's really cool to be a part of. We had an episode we were talking about, would you rather hire a CX professional into partnerships or someone from sales? And it's just, it's going to be a long going debate, but we'll tick one off for the sales heading into partnership. And it's, I, I think it's like very eye opening because I feel like Will and I both had colleagues on the Vidyard side. And actually this goes back to when I was on the agency side too, and working with Vidyard, you know, a couple of salespeople that understood the value. Uh, and I guess just the ease, like, I, I don't know if it's like you're trying to cheat or anything, but like understanding that partner leads can help you and is so much easier. Like I, I, it's fun hearing of other people that have kind of jumped into the space because it's like, wait, this makes total sense. They can help me with my pipeline that much faster and easier. And it's really cool. So I'm going to jump on board. That's sweet. Today's uh, topic of discussion is the starting from scratch. So 
that zero to one motion, I feel like as more companies start to use the word ecosystem and think more about partnerships, the thing that's top of mind, and I've had a lot of conversations with you know founders and salespeople that are coming to me and they're like, hey, it's hard out here. How do I do this partnerships thing? Uh, they need that zero to one. So we know that you are an expert on this. So let's talk about it. What in your experience is the number one thing that is needed to go from zero to one, if you were to choose that one thing that people need to consider or do to start the motion, what is that in in your mind? Yeah, so it's a good question and it's hard to pinpoint just one thing. Um, I think the first thing to start with is also defining what zero to one really means because of course, one is not the Salesforce app exchange program, uh, which sometimes people do think that that it is. Um, so I think my definition of uh, zero to one is really taking your partnerships from non-existent or non-structured to standardized and operational. So at the end of the day, when you're at one, your partner should be able to, or a potential partner, let's say, should be able to come to your organization and say, what does it mean to be a partner of X? And you should be able to give a clear answer on what that means and how to get there. It's funny how many people think that one, uh, one, I appreciate the fact that the zero to one model should be defined by the organization, right? Every organization has different goals, especially from a partnerships perspective. I, I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, there's probably several zero to ones that you could track or I guess goal around from a milestone perspective, especially as you're starting from scratch. And I think it, it, it echoes the idea of you know, partnerships, we kind of need to be our own cheerleaders. We need to cheer pe- each other on and, and celebrate like those bigger milestones because being able to go into an organization and say, you know what, partnerships in some format is going to be right for us, but like understand that's a journey. That's not just like, ah, oh, let me leap over this little curb here and we're good to go. So I'm curious to kind of get your perspective on, is there a way you can track many zero to ones? Like I, I love the idea of like the ground up approach where it's like, Salesforce app exchange is not your one. That's like your point zero one. Exactly. Yeah. I think um, it's really interesting. You mentioned the sort of different facets and different ways that you can go, because I think that's also something that companies sometimes fail to have as a plan and a strategy. So being able to actually look at the complete picture and say, what are we already doing? Do we already have maybe partners that aren't partners that are doing something really successfully and take that road? Um, or for example, maybe the technology partnership space is really opportunity full for us and uh, we should go down that road. So having that time to gather your data, look at all of your opportunities and then choose where you're going to put your resources and approach it strategically as opposed to just kind of trying some stuff and seeing what works um, can also be a strategy. I've definitely followed that path uh, at times. But uh, always good to just take stock of what you already know. And then that way you can make a calculated decision on on what you're going to do. And I love how the response is build structure and build clarity, because I feel that um, and we'll get into some some errors that people make. But I feel that people will rush into this relationship because they have this good idea, but then there isn't structure and then it's not clear what the value is or how we engage or you know, why we're engaging. And so without that initial structure, it kind of runs into this chaos where there's immediately a diffusion of responsibility of, well, 
may, why aren't you building the structure? And you know, even though I initiated the the conversation, and so I like that as a, as an answer. And so, in your experience, and uh, maybe it's a mistake that you've made or that you see others make. What is often the the mistake that is made when trying to go from zero to one? Is it you know going too fast? Is it not validating? What in your experience is like the most common, or perhaps uh, whichever way you'd like to take it, the most negatively impactful mistake that one could make? Yeah, I mean there are so many. Um, not always dire, let's say, but definitely there are a lot. I would say that the the one that I see the most, especially with a first partnerships hire, is treating partnerships the exact same or as a subset of sales. So, I mean, at the end of the day, partnerships are revenue generating machine department. That's why we do it. Great. However, sales is so different than partnerships. It's fundamentally not based on a transaction, which sales is. And treating it the same way, that's where it leads to mistakes because with sales, you want quality or quantity. With partnerships, you want quality. Um, and with sales, you know, you put in work, it's a one-to-one relationship. You put in work, you get a deal. With partnerships, that may take a little bit more time to ramp up than going after a customer one-to-one. So all these things that uh, a lot of times people will equate sales with partnerships just don't work. And then that they get a uh, an improper picture of how their partnerships could be or what the opportunity is. Yeah, and and just the idea that it it it's a long game, right? Like I, I, of course you can talk about quick wins and it, it quick wins differ from, you know, tech partnership to a channel partner for sure. But I I couldn't agree more. Like I think the idea of like a sale, like if you're if partnerships rolls up to revenue, which at 99.9% of the time it's going to and either the CEO or that leader are all sales sales driven. I think one of the most important things from a partnership internal relationship standpoint is really setting the tone and making sure that you have buy-in that this is a long-term play in most regards and not something that they're necessarily going to see or like trying to taper the expectations of a sales leader to say, where's my pipeline at? Like if you have a short sales cycle, they're always like quick, quick, quick wins versus a partnership's going to be months, years potentially. And so I, it's, I, to me, at least it's important to really drive and find that common ground to make sure that you're not just like under fire all the time. Yeah, definitely. Those battles, I mean, you're always going to have battles, but if people aren't bought in at the fundamental level of seeing the value of partnerships, you're going to have those conversations so much more often and they're going to be so much harder than if you have that core belief of everybody that this is a good thing it does work differently and we're going to get there. So speaking of those battles, especially internally, how have you approached that in, let's say you're the the one person shop, the team is kind of interested in partnerships. They see the the path to revenue, but uh, they're, they're too, maybe too eager or maybe even too hesitant. How have you approached it in the past to start to build that internal buy-in during this zero to one phase? What's your, your story around that? Yeah, I think I guess it kind of goes along with making friends, but just talking about it. I think if especially if you believe in partnerships and you can explain why it adds value, people just need to know. They haven't thought about it before. It's not their area of expertise. And I think as partnerships people, we talk to each other all the time. We think that it's common knowledge, but if you actually get out there and speak to your colleagues and people that maybe don't know so much about it, it's not necessarily as intuitive to them as it is to us. 
So it's our job still to educate them and show them how this can be valuable, provide examples, tell stories about it. Um, And I think as well, one really key thing for partnerships is seeing the perspective of others. So if you need to put yourself in their shoes, um, goes without saying you have to do it with your partners. That's a whole other story. But if you're talking to marketing, going on and on about your partner experience is not really going to swing them. You need to be talking about leads. You need to be talking about brand awareness. You need to be talking about events or whatever marketing's priorities are. You really need to listen and ask questions and understand what their struggles are and then find a way to explain how partnerships is going to push their initiatives forward because inevitably it always does. You can never place enough enough emphasis on enablement. And I'm not even talking about like external partner enablement. I'm talking about like building the enablement structure internally for the teams that you know you're working with the most. Um, And Will actually brought up a a good point on a few, an episode a few months ago where, and you, you touched on it, which is understand their goals. Right. So, and I think it kind of talks to the idea of like, you know, partnerships now has this like kind of like bubble where we can talk with each other, we can vent, we can, you know, ping ideas off of. And it's it's easy because everyone else understands partnerships or we think we do. And so it just makes it more comfortable for us to have open conversations with. But you are so right. And I've never thought about it this way is that like, I keep talking to sales, I keep talking to marketing, like they understand the value of a partner. And that's just an assumption. Versus, you know, going into a conversation where it's like the idea of how can I help you marketing or how can I help you sales hit your goals through partnerships? And I guess just like understanding their what makes them tick allows you to kind of insert yourself in those micro areas to make sure that they do see the value of partnerships. And I think that's really important to know. It's funny because partnerships, I mean, as partner centric people, we sort of see it. If you think about all the buckets of departments of an organization, you think of them beside each other. But I actually see partnerships as like a long one underneath. I know this is a podcast, we don't have diagrams. But um, yeah, as opposed to standing alongside, you're really supporting everybody. Very good point. Yeah, it's, um, it is a company wide strategy, not a specific department. Uh, You know, technically, from a people perspective, it might be a department, but the way that it engages in the business is not the silo that is you know, segmented with its own numbers and all of that. Uh, obviously, still good to track those things, but it's an everyone together, literally in the partnerships ethos uh, mindset. And I really liked what you had to say there, where you know it does harken back to that idea of the you know making friends for a living. And if you're not doing that internally, if you're just doing lunch and learns uh, that aren't even that engaging or fun, people aren't going to learn. the thing that they care about most because you're going to be talking about this high level stuff. It's not relevant to them. And so that's one thing that um, I've also personally always been aligned with where it's like, you have to focus on the individual and what they care about, you know, speak their language, not the partner language that all these partner people get. Um, So I really appreciate that. And so what would you say is a good tactic for that? Because if I work in an organization and there's 200 people, um, what would you say is a good tactic to start making those those friendships, um, but then, of course, having it be strategic and allowing you to prioritize? What would you say is the practice that one could do to 
build that internal buy-in and build those relationships. What's your take? This is internal, right? Internal. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, I mean, from a top down approach um, is one thing. I think bottom up, the best you can do is actually just talk to people, like sit with them at lunch, do projects with them, just get involved and and really know them on a personal level. Um, but from a, a top down level, uh, which is critical, is understanding from those se- senior leaders what they're struggling with, what their problems are, what their focus points are. So for example, if you know that marketing is not interested in conferences at all because of budget, maybe you say, let's not do conferences. And maybe you could also say, hey, I, own- I have a conference, but it's completely free because it's from a partner. So let's put our resource there. Or, you know, maybe customer success is not necessarily concerned about churn, but they're concerned about MPS. Maybe you see that some of your partners, I don't know, are always sending out surveys or anything like these. These are just random examples. But finding out first what they're looking at, what their priorities are, and then being creative of how you can fit that as opposed to demanding that everybody, you know, you need 20K for this conference or, I don't know, you need something else from sales. You thinking about what you need from them is less effective than what you can offer them. It just goes back to the idea of like how you build professional relationships. Like you might be it 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 you might be really good at that from the outside perspective of, you know what? I was in sales, I was in CX, so I have the relationship professionality to go out and manage partnerships and understand and kind of like go where they're going. But it it just like it I don't know why there's such a stark contrast between like taking that that approach with partners and and seeing value or being able to kind of like help them drive stickiness versus, you know, talking to CX or talking to sales or even talking to like just internal enablement teams where it's like you kind of flip the script. You almost take it where I, I think you bring up a really good point is like a lot of times people will think in the mindset of like, what's in it for me? And I would implore all partner professionals to take a quick step back and understand that the value that you drive with your partnerships is almost the same value that you drive internally, which is how can I, like, if I'm going and trying to build efficiencies in my role, I know that sales and so like the referral process or CX and just like the customer management could build a lot of opportunity and value by understanding my partnerships. But in the same vein, how can I make it very easy for them to manage that relationship? What process do I need? So it's just, it's, Taking a pause, understanding that, <clears throat> understanding that you can ask the same questions that you do with partners internally and still build the value that you need to build. As we're nearing the the end of talking about the zero to one, I'm curious your take on what technology can help support this zero to one. Um, I imagine there's a lot of confusion out there where you know, do I need a PRM right away? Do I need to you know invest in enablement resources? Do I need XYZ, what is your take on the quickest deployment of a tool that then gets you to value in that zero to one? What are your thoughts around tools? And it could be, you know, as simple as making sure you have a, a scheduling tool or something like that, or it could be partner tech. What's your take on making that zero to one as efficient and effective as possible? Oh man, scheduling tool makes my mind go crazy because I'm like, how many things do I use without even realizing it? Um, but I'll go with the partner tech uh, to start off. So maybe controversial, but I actually don't think you need a PRM from the beginning. I've always been super scrappy with 
budgets and not having anything. So I guess that's kind of in my DNA. Um, but the the PRM is not really necessary from day one because you don't have any partners, you don't have any processes. What are you going to put into it, right? So that's not really the time. Um, but I would say tools like Reveal and Crossbeam, the account mapping tools, those operational tools that you work with um, the partner, it's uh, those are invaluable, honestly, because you can really see and quantify your relationship. I mean, you can't gauge everything from those tools, but they really help you. And I remember in the early days being like, how many mutual customers do we have? Is it worth building an integration? Crossbeam will tell you. So that's uh, that's really helpful. Um, and also your CRM. I mean, you can finagle a lot of things in your CRM and make it work for, you know, simple partner onboardings organizations. And then once you have that idea of, okay, this is what our onboarding process looks like. This is our part. These are our ideal partner profiles. This is what we typically do. We need X onboarding calls or whatever it takes. I mean, partnerships are all unique. Then you can go with a really crystal clear book of needs to a partner uh, system like Partner Stack or Keyflow and get a lot more value out of it from day one, as opposed to using the partnership uh, or partner PRM and then having to redo it a year later because you started it on day one of your program and not day 90. I like that approach. I've actually seen like people use Notion as a uh, I guess a zero to one PRM, let's call it, or even setting things up in, in HubSpot. I know a HubSpot consultant that is actually starting to build like a service around this where it's like, hey, if you want to manage your partners, you can use your CRM and it's not going to have the robust functionality of a PRM, but you can at least track these, like you said, the onboarding, you know, how many calls does it take? Look at l- a little bit of the data to then say, all right, now let's get the PRM and let's you know ramp it up at a much faster rate because we already have some of these things built. Um, Tom, any thoughts there? You've got to track your revenue somehow as well. Exactly. Building, you got to build a lot of stuff with duct tape and bailing wire, and I think that's um, that's okay to start. Like you're not you you don't have sunk costs, but I what I would emphasize there is that it is to me way more critical to map out and build the partner journey first, and then attach technology and process to it. Because if you know what's going to make your partnership successful, even from day one, then start to figure out, okay, what does onboarding look like? Look like? What do I need to enable on? What does you know production activation look like? And then really like, okay, this is where a PRM does come into play. This is where, it, so it just makes it a lot easier. And honestly, it makes it 10 times easier if in a year and a half, you're like, okay, it's now ready. We're time, like it's time to bring on a PRM instead of like building all this like major structure early and then having to tear down the house and rebuild. Yeah, 100%. And it also helps you as well when you have that to implement it because it goes super quickly. Totally. Exactly. Like it's already done. So last, I got a hot take for you and it kind of, we kind of touched on it earlier. If you, if you were hiring, like let's say you started a partnership program, your first hire, would it be if you had to choose from a CX professional or a sales professional? Who would it be? Oh, that's an impossible question. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, man, it's hard because I would, and this is not an answer, but I, it really depends on the person because okay. I think if you have, uh, like there's hunters and farmers, right? So if you have a pure hunter that doesn't, like just wants to close a deal and then runs away, your partners are just going to be completely 
lost as soon as they sign a deal. Whereas if you have an only only a farmer, then you're going to have like three really strong relationships, which is great that we're already onboarded, but then you don't really grow from there. Um, so you kind of need to, on the individual side, evaluate, like, does this person have a bit of both? Yeah. Um, although I guess, uh, as I as I think out loud a little bit, I think the first hire would probably have more of those hunter instincts, um, not necessarily commercial in that sense, like not let's close more deals, but you need to be proactive because also if it's your first hire, presumably you don't really have a lot of the infrastructure built up and you need to be thinking a little bit creatively. You need to be identifying opportunities in the market and um, maybe someone who's a little bit more, you know, farming is going to yep. dive deeper into those relationships that you already have that you wouldn't have at that point. So that's my answer. Blessing <laughs> <laughs> take. Love it. Tom, I'll throw you a curveball and we won't talk about it because we will end the episode. But I would say I would hire a demand gen marketer for the first hire. Ooh, I like this. (laughs) Stay tuned. Uh, We always do end off our episodes, though, Carolyn, with one tactical tip that people can implement in their day to day. So if I was a new partner manager and I'm coming to to you and I'm expressing my, my woes of I'm anxious, I don't know what to do. I am starting this program. What is that one tactical thing that you think would impact them the most? What would you advise them to do to help them hit the ground running? I would say look at what you already are doing and build on that. So the first thing you can do is what agencies are in your customer base or what integrations have you already built based on customer demand? Dive into that, call those people, talk to the customers, look at how many customers there are, check out your reveal instance or your crossbeam, look at the data you already have, and then make a plan based on those things. So organically, I guess. Amazing. Great tie-in to basically everything we talked about, the tools, the the first step and driving that focus. So thank you so much for your wisdom and your time. And I feel like we got to have that debate at some point. We'll We'll do another episode in the future and uh we'll have we'll have that chat oh sounds good i think i'm gonna learn a lot you already opened my eyes with the demand john thing so happy to <laughs> there we go curveball thanks everyone <laughs> love it thanks